What is going on, everybody? It is episode 53 of Pop Culture Crisis. It is our weekend episode. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be the weekend for us here. Uh, I am here with my co-host, Miracle Sam. Hi, nice to meet you. Like I switched it up there today? Yes. I switched it up. I introduced her. Oh, oh by the way, my name is Brett. Uh, <laughs> and we have a guest host here today. Introduce yourself, please. Hi, I'm Hannah Claire Brema. I'm a writer for TimCast.com. How are you doing today? I'm good. Thanks for having me back. This is great. It felt somehow ruder more rude to introduce you by name like I, I feel like you deserve the right to introduce yourself yeah especially if I decide I need to change my name or make a clarification that's true because we we always have trouble with your uh, I think it wasn't today it's only you but like a couple of weeks ago well I was like calling her up to I to, have to corrected you on podcast and I said, Hannah come on and, and I was like it's kissing Hannah Claire feels okay. weird you know this is like the challenge if you have a double name uh, you have to either even if you have a hyphen people forget and they are not used to it so mm-hmm. I, I don't take it personally but you also have to you know people sometimes get angry with me when I correct them and say oh my name's actually Hannah Claire yeah. uh, well, and I feel like that's unfair like mm-hmm. that you're gonna unfair. say my name wrong I get to correct you I, I don't get to scream at you but mm-hmm. I get to correct you well I feel like a lot of people get annoyed because like they're um, there are people who have dead names, so they change their names to like their new desired names, yeah. and it gets annoying to them. So like, maybe they kind the of the thing feel is like they way. get to be mad about it, and mm-hmm. I don't. Yeah, you're, like, you're I'm not allowed to not express allowed. anger yeah. about it. Yeah. I can, like, I think people agree I should be able to correct people, but mm-hmm. I'm not allowed to be mad that you are using the incorrect name. Yeah, there's a there's an actress from a show that I really liked called Killjoys um, mm-hmm. on Sci-Fi, and her name's Hannah John Kamen or Hannah John Common. And now I don't know if it was Hannah and her middle name was John. Cause I don't know. I am like trying to remember if there was a hyphen there and I can't remember for the life of me. Now I'm going to have to look that up. I'm gonna like look in most agree. cases it's a uh, middle name. So it's okay. like, I, I don't know what you're, if you're, if you're Brett John, right? Brett Anthony. If you're Brett Anthony, yes. like your mom might always call you Brett Anthony, but legally you're Brett yes. Anthony, whatever. Yes. For me, it's gotten very complicated over the years, but the intention of my name is to be John Hannah and Claire, middle name redacted, mm-hmm. Brimlow. Ah. Um, but yeah, so to answer your question, Brett, is actually John Kamen hyphen. So the last name <coughs> is John Kamen. Yeah. Oh, well, there you go. That's, that's just weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so she's, she's fantastic. Uh, so we're gonna we got a bunch of stuff to cover today. I, I like my topics all out of order because I made a bunch of last minute changes. So I'm yeah. gonna try to do this as evenly as possible. We're gonna talk about the Steven Soderbergh uh, interview where he gives this really funny quote that everybody's talking about, where he's uh, he's lamenting the lack of sexual intercourse in in franchise films. That's very Hollywood of him. Um, we're going to talk about Snoop Dogg and a purchase he recently made, one that I'm quite excited about uh, as an old school hip hop fan. Uh, we've got an article that I saved for. Hannah Claire. I almost said Hannah John, uh, and that was screwed that up. Uh, I have an article that I specifically saved uh, for Hannah Claire regarding a, te- a, tele- a television show called The Resident. In this uh, article, I'm not watching the show, but this article is unbelievably uh, hilarious to me, given the the year the the 2022 of it all. Um, and then me and Miracle are going to run through a quick Peacemaker episode seven review. Mm-hmm. I have thoughts on it. I was quite fond of this episode. And then in Podluck, we get a mixture of some Kanye, Kim, Julia news, which is more just about Julia than about the other two. I feel like she's kind of getting 
pushed to the side in this weird way in this. Also, we are continuing my, my new series of who the hell asked for this uh, regarding a new movie that you guys are going to absolutely get a kick out of when we, when we talk about it. So if you guys are ready, I say we just jump right into it. <coughs> Let's do it. Okay. Yeah. So this is an article from Variety, uh, and this is from Steven Soderbergh. Steven Soderbergh's a, a very prolific director and writer, or I'm sorry, director and producer. Producing credits, I, I don't really like to mention because it's not like the producer has a whole ton of control over the artistic elements of it, but uh, a good director that goes into producing often you can expect that their eye for film means that they'll choose to back the right project so in that sense their their uh, opinions carry some weight uh, but but this article is says Steven Soderbergh calls out superhero movies lack of sex nobody's effing that that's a direct quote I didn't even censor myself there mm-hmm. but uh, it says Do you think uh, he said effing no I'm sure he I'm sure that variety did this to be family friendly Steven Soderbergh's directorial career has included Oscar winning dramas like traffic and Aaron Brockovich you must love Aaron Brockovich I, I literally yeah, don't know who that is okay it, I mean, we'll talk about Maybe it off. It sounds familiar. Yes. Okay. Uh, science fiction mind benders such as Solaris, uh, heist comedies such as Ocean's Eleven, historical epics. Uh, oh, Che, <laughs> Che Guevara movie. I, I've never seen it. Oh uh, man. And more, but he never crossed uh, over into making Hollywood superhero tentpole. Uh, movies uh, and don't expect him to either. Speaking to the Daily Beast ahead of the streaming release of his new uh, thriller Kimmy, that was the one you were mentioning. Yeah, yep. so it's new on HBO Max. I kind of want to watch it because it looks like it's a. Uh, What's it about? <clears throat> I didn't read it, but it has. Um, you kind of want to watch it, but you didn't read it. Well, because like visuals get me first. So like the poster art is basically uh, Zoe. Kravitz? Kravitz. Kravitz. My bad. Just think Lenny Kravitz, but really attractive. Yeah. Um, basically, she's the main actress for it, and she's wearing, like, a blue wig, and it got me because it's, like, all neon. Okay. So it's, like, right up your alley visually. <clears throat> yeah. Visually, okay. it looks nice. Um, let's L- hope I don't get... Look it up and see what it's about. I'm yeah, just curious. go ahead. Okay, so S- Soderbergh says he's not approached, uh, <sighs> he's not approached to direct uh, f- uh, superhero franchises, nor does he envision writing one. The filmmaker said it'd be almost impossible for him to work in the superhero space since the characters are completely sexless. Mm. That is very, very sad. And he can't... That's not, that doesn't work for him? He's like, look, I'm an artist. An artist. And uh, I didn't want to do porn because that would be sleazy, but I do want to put sex in my movies. Mm-hmm. So rather than do the real thing, I'm just going to make my actors feel incredibly awkward in the search of truth. Uh, mm-hmm. What does he say? Like, why does he need sex to tell a story? Uh, well, let's find out. He says, I'm not a snob. It's not that I feel it's somehow lower tier in any way. It's really because it becomes about what universe you occupy as a storyteller, Soderbergh said. I'm just too earthbound to really release myself to a universe in which Newtonian physics don't exist. I love the... Uh, release myself that that felt very like i don't know it's a good line yes uh it felt very um i think i'm gonna start saying that yes like you are you gonna watch this movie no there are no newtonian physics in that universe i'm not ready for my release release myself to that even that feels vaguely sexual what does that have to do with with sex uh it says i just have a a lack of imagination in that regard which is why the one foray i had into pure science fiction 2002 solaris was essentially a character drama that happened to be set on a spaceship also for a lot of these for me uh for a lot of these for me to understand the world and how to write and supervise the writing of the story and the characters, apart from the fact that I can bend time and defy gravity and shoot beams out of my fingers, there's no fucking... That's what he said. That's his words. Uh, I apologize, YouTube. If this, uh, uh, this, uh, I don't think Spotify you, cares. You 
giggled through it so it's like you broke yes, it up. It's I not a real it. world. Soderbergh continues. Nobody's fucking. I'm, g- I'm going to keep doing that to see if it prevents us from getting censored. Uh, like, I don't know how, how to tell people how to behave in a world in which that is not a thing. The fantasy spectacle universe, as far as I can tell, typically doesn't involve a lot of effing Mm -hmm. and also things like who's paying for these people who who do they work for how does the job come to be uh he's right about all those things like i those are the questions that my adhd yeah i was gonna say like some of this stuff i i agree with like i spot on it's something that we that i think comes up when i'm on the show i don't watch marvel and dc in the comics and i've never really seen anything else like mm-hmm. it's just not something i naturally i'm happy to go to the movies with other people who have decided to see it yep. but it's not something i'm ever drawn to on my own and i can understand as a director being like this world doesn't appeal to me in part because it's not engaging to my creativity and also like the practicality of it like you have to uh, accept a certain amount of suspended disbelief a lot right? of suspended disbelief. and like if you can't do it, you can't fake it, right? It's better to pick a different genre. One thing that I always point, somebody always pointed out to me, I shouldn't take it. It's like, it's like, it's like uh, they have like all these shows where like they have like holographic display computers, but mm-hmm. they're still taking Ubers. Yeah. I'm like, how is that a thing? How is it one is th- weird the way that technology progresses. I mean, like there are things that people want, expected us to have by 2020 yes. that we don't, but in a lot of ways there are all these tiny advances yeah. in technology that make all the difference in the world. And then, but also like, like whenever they destroy the these cities i'm like who the hell rebuilds these cities oh my like, god i want a movie where a dirty like like where like an evil uh like contractor pays a supervillain to destroy a city just so he can get the contract to rebuild it that's mm-hmm. like actually what's happening though it's yes. like yeah don't let all the infrastructure die yes. like, I, I always think these <laughs> movies are kind of funny because it's like i'm gonna appear from the subway and break up this bridge and then it's mm-hmm. like actually if you wanted to cause problems you would just like cause potholes periodically everywhere and then eventually the road would decline and the government could never fix it because there's entrenched in bureaucracy and there's no money and then you control the city by offering to be like this quote unquote nice guy mm-hmm. who starts a fund and then everyone starts listening to you all the time and you've won all this influence even though your actual agenda is evil like that, that's a realistic movie that would be mm-hmm. a far more interesting movie to me as I well i understand that visual effects is more important in the movie is yes. like for to the to the people who love these movies. I'll also say he he pr- they probably goes on further, but I'm going to point out the real reason that there is no sex in these movies is because they're trying to appeal to the widest audience possible. Yeah, uh, and just because it's PG-13 does not mean that um, mom and dad aren't bringing their family of eight kids to these movies. They are, yeah. and I know a lot of people <clears throat> who like to abstain from watching like overtly sexual content, yeah. even that's separate from porn. I mean, like I I have advocated off and on for uh a use of sex i'm not trying to be a puritan about it but like if you're just showing a graphic sex scene because you think that'll shock your audience like is that actually contributing to the story Mm -hmm. or does it move the story forward yeah Yeah. and so in this case like i understand what he's saying but is it necessary like would the dc movies or whatever he's talking about marvel movies be better better if they had had a sex scene I don't know that that's true. So. They, they did it in the Eternals, and it was like advertised heavily in these magazines. Like it's the first sex scene in a Marvel movie, and it was like thirty seconds long and very stupid, and nobody cared. Also, like, <coughs> do you need it? Like, it, it was completely unnecessary. And there to are, the I would say, other movies and plays and all sorts of things that mm-hmm. do rely on sex. They do have need a sex scene to advance the story. Last night we yeah. went and saw Death on the Nile. Now this wasn't a sex scene, but there is a scene at the it's very dirty beginning. Dancing. Uh, it's essentially dirty dancing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I kind of I tried to explain to Miracle and Brian why I thought this scene was actually extremely relevant and necessary to the plot 
because it speaks to uh, the mental state and this the connection between these two characters that comes back into play later in the movie. Mm-hmm. So that's an example where something that Miracle and Brian both felt that it was gratuitous, mm-hmm. in my mind, I felt that it actually fleshed out an area of the story that was extremely <coughs> relevant to the plot at yeah. the end. So that's an example of where I think it matters. And you could maybe do that in these movies, but I think there's, in a world where they can shoot laser beams out of their, uh, yeah. out of their eyes, there's a thousand other ways you can uh, establish a connection like that that doesn't have to be done through that. Yeah. Well, like I said, I don't care if they do. Like, I'm, a, I'm in my 30s. It yeah. doesn't bother me or make mm-hmm. me uncomfortable. But a lot of these movies are being got, brought, their kids are being brought to these movies by parents. It's an option for families to yes. watch. Yeah. So it's... I, I think that there's a place... I mean, like, I don't think good art needs to have a sex scene. And I... I honestly think in some ways this article is relying on that quote for a little bit more. Yeah. I don't want to say clickbait, but they're picking what people would be most shocked about. Whereas, like, I actually think his comment about, like, who is paying for these people's lives out yeah. is way funnier. Mm-hmm. So it says, uh, Marvel Studios generated headlines last fall with the Eternals depicted the Marvel Cine- Cinematic Universe's first sex scene between characters. Although the moment was brief and only included the faces of the two characters involved, it's not an R-rated movie. Why would you expect there to be more than that? Like I said, mm-hmm. what they did in that scene could have been done through facial expressions in any number of uh, situations mm-hmm. that didn't have to be that. Mm-hmm. But they people like a lot of these people, they're uh, obsessed with it. And it says, you can't tell a mature love story if you're not going to do some kind of and then they're talking about the director of the Eternals and then Zhao trailed off it's lovely to see two people show physical affection for each other kiss make love yes but that is not necessary I, in I, these yeah, movies yeah and I disagree with the comment that you can't show a mature love story without mm-hmm. the depiction of sex like I really just don't believe that and again I'm not advocating for a complete abstinence for, uh, of sex in movies but like I think if you rely too heavily on that you're actually underdeveloping an emotional connection mm-hmm. agreed um, I think Hollywood is obsessed in a lot of ways with, with that type of stuff uh, like I said I'm not a Puritan I'm the one who said I thought the scene yesterday was absolutely necessary that stuff doesn't bother me but uh, from a business standpoint not even from an artistic standpoint these movies cost 150 million dollars mm-hmm. to 200 million dollars to make they're not going to limit their audience by uh, by putting in scenes that they think our parents even for a minute might prevent their kids from going to see they're going to keep it as safe and as cookie cutter as possible well and i would say too like what does the studio value more like if you can create an um in-depth emotional character (coughs) that has a good story and the and like draws audiences in is that and you don't have to go through because they have to like meet with censors and they have to meet certain regulations and there has to be all sorts of compliance when you film a sex scene Mm -hmm. is is it better oh, to have this a movie without age. it? Yeah, or even before. Like, you know, actors have to be comfortable. Oh. There's all kinds of... Or is it more valuable to have the PR marketing where people are like, oh my gosh, wild sex scene. First mm-hmm. ever in this kind of movie. Like, mm-hmm. is which one is more valuable to the studio? I would, or I would bet that it's less expensive to not have a sex scene. And yep. if it draws a wider audience, it gain, earns more money. And it's just a political minefield. Like I said, we had that, we watched Reacher and there was a sex scene in that uh, in that show that had nudity in it. And it had a female director, a female writer. And they're like, they're, I just can't imagine they were going to let guys uh, direct mm-hmm. or write that scene in 2022. Because uh, first of all, that tells me that the woman's the one who, who needs to feel comfortable, not the man. I find that relatively sexist in a certain way. Uh, you know, it's, uh, and, and then also it's like they have uh, intimacy coordinators on site yeah. who, who are there to do this stuff. And like I, if you didn't have to pay an intimacy coordinator, mm-hmm. like that comes out of yeah, your budget. Like I'm just saying, like, <coughs> you're maybe spot on. they should mm-hmm. be happy that it's not there. Yep. And like I said, it's just easier. It, uh, it requires less of them to just find another way to like, and I also think that there's something to be said about 
try to make that emotional connection happen in a less predictable way mm-hmm. speaks to the talent of the artist or the director. Yeah. Is this something that you feel like you need to see in movies? No, not really. But you remember that controversy with Batman where we saw his wing? She's referring to the actual comic book. I wish you had yeah. said we saw his Bruce Wayne. <laughs> oh, uh. yeah. <laughs> but yeah, um, they did the same thing like that. It, it's not necessary, but... I don't know, like, from an artist standpoint, you want to be edgy, you want people to, like, pay attention to you, so you tend to do, like, shocking value. But are we shocked by sex scenes <coughs> no, anymore? No, I mean, no, we're so, we're so desensitized. desensitized. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Plus, these are, like, cookie-cutter, <coughs> billion-dollar franchises that are not designed to be edgy in any way. They're mm-hmm. designed to be mass for mass appeal. Yeah. Yeah. So. I don't know. It's just weird because certain countries, it's still, like, shocking, but for us, I feel like, as Americans, we we don't care anymore see i i mm-hmm. think other co- countries are less uh, uptight about this stuff than mm-hmm. we are like i mean well, i'm not talking yeah. about like i think it, there's a huge variety yeah i like, mean i think it really depends on where you're selling the movie <coughs> there's also this mm-hmm. weird puritanism in america right now that's going on where it's it has to do with gender dynamics and everything where mm-hmm. you, the men can be objectified they can be shirtless with eight pack abs all the time women are very very seldom allowed to be sexualized because for the god for gosh sakes the male gaze uh mm-hmm. the last thing we would ever want is to make men happy even if it's to the benefit of the story Story, yeah, uh, which is less about puritanism, but it's a it's a form of puritanism through the nature of identity politics. Mm-hmm. Sorry, my dad's calling me. It's okay. No, you're good. Um, no, I think that ultimately that our interest in sex has changed a lot over the years, and we don't need it the way we we used to, or like it, for an artist, like I don't think it has the same impact. Um, and I personally and i know this isn't true for everyone and more interested in seeing um more subtle and more artistic uses of sex or like references to sex that are uh you know oblique or characters that we understand that they might have sex but like the dynamic between them doesn't hedge on whether or not they're sleeping together Mm -hmm. um it's just it's sort of a tired trope to have some crazy sex scene at this point yeah i remember I, think so. I remember when um uh in the show bones when booth and, and brennan finally get together in like season six they don't even show it because they said there's no way that any amount of whatever we just tried to do here would ever live up to whatever the people who were desperate for these two characters to get together there's no way it would have lived up to their <coughs> expectations so they had to kind of find a way to bring it to an emotional crescendo through something else uh, and then it's implied the rest of the way. Uh, it's called imagination. Yes. Uh, People there's no it. space for that anymore. Mm-hmm. I really feel like so much of Hollywood is like, here's exactly what you need to see and think and believe that we did at all times. And I personally like to use my brain more than that. Mm-hmm. And there's, so I don't want you to shove it down my face or you, down my throat. You f- <laughs> Can't talk either. Um, oh, man, there's a great joke. I'm pe- going right no the, no um okay. don't do it in, in, i'm too innocent for this it went over um my head. okay so in euphoria another example of that is like in euphoria there's extensive <laughs> drug use right or like you see like mm-hmm. in the sh- they have these graphic depictions of drug use but if you watch old hitchcock movies uh or or old uh techniques in movies they would have things where somebody would snort something but the camera would be above their nose and you just see it's their head so moving. much more interesting so much more interesting and so much more dynamic in the mm-hmm. way that it was done to at that time it was probably done more 
or out of u- a utilitarian need to avoid the censorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereas now, with the sen- with the gloves off on something like that, it's not as much there. Well, and I would say that like <coughs> there's some. Um, it might be a Humphrey Bogart movie where you know mm-hmm. you, it's adventure and they're doing whatever, and he saves the girl, and then there's. You know, they fall into each other's arm, and the next thing you see is a train going into like a tunnel in a mountain. Like that's Perfect. racy, but it's also like you're in on this understood secret in a way that, like, if they had just shown them in bed together, like, yeah, I would have gotten the point. But that last shot is so much deeper, and it makes your mind work, which is like what I personally look for out of TV and movies. So much more art in that mm-hmm. to me. Yep, mm-hmm. I agree. I don't know. I just don't really care for it. Weird for somebody who loves violence as much in these things that you did. Like, I, I like that. That you're like, she's like, I love watching all the violence, but oh, all that sexual intercourse. I don't want to see that stuff. Well, because I'm not a preteen that who's like craving to see it. Exactly. It's so like. I'm it, an adult and you can, as an adult, you can get it, especially as a female. You can get it. You can just say, I need it. And you'll get it. It's really is you can the, live it. It's really the weirdo Tumblr generation that's spilled out under the internet. That's that, true. That causes all of this and to happen. Also, to uh, walk back, what you asked me earlier, what the Kimmy series is. So basically, she's agoraphobic that has evidence to a crime. Oh, interesting. And she's like running away from. Um, <laughs> yeah, I would do the same thing. Sorry, I'm trapping stink bug over here. Yeah. Um, okay, she's an agoraphobic. Yeah, she's agoraphobic who surprisingly she works with technology so like basically her whole day is just being in front of computers how relatable in the work from home era i yes, love it it is it's yeah and it's funny because like um she finds like a piece of evidence i found this out all from a trailer she finds a piece of evidence from a violent crime and like now like she's trying to like hide from everybody um because apparently whoever's in charge is like a higher up in a, somewhere in in the world and they're like we we need you and she kind of looks like Coraline okay cool. from the cartoon well, that that cool. might be interesting yeah that might be interesting she got freckles I admire that all right so I want to move on I want to talk about uh <coughs> I want to talk about Snoop Dogg oh can you do the Snoop Dogg song I'm I, what what a career that man has had yeah uh, I just saw this picture of you know those candle lighters they're big but they have like a longer stem so you can put yeah. the candles it's got Martha it's Stewart. Stewart and Snoop Dogg like man what a time to be alive who, I, want, I want to give uh, big props to whoever the marketing campaign director was who thought of that idea just like you know who we should hire Snoop Dogg the other thing to go back to what, to connect to what we were saying before is that there's something subtle about it right? <coughs> yes like, exactly it's not mm-hmm. obvious exactly they you don't have him lighting a bowl they just have him in the picture it's just with Martha yeah. and you know it and, and they have like a weird friendship that goes know, back it's years so mm-hmm. funny okay you okay. remember Brett, when what he... did Snoop Dogg buy okay. yeah go so ahead. according to a press release via Business Wire the rap legend will be leading the brand for uh, the coming years as its new owner and by that I mean Snoop Dogg officially owns Death Row Records mm-hmm. um as a child of the 90s, I grew up listening to everything uh, that was rap music in that generation in Death Row Records. was uh, I know it doesn't look like it, was a huge part of my childhood. Uh, Tupac, All Eyes on Me, mm-hmm. uh, Machiavelli the Don, uh, the soundtracks for Above the Rim, for Gang Related, for Gridlocked. There was a ton of uh, Nate Dogg. All these West Coast rappers were through uh, Death Row Records in the 90s. And then, as we know, uh, a lot of violence happened. There was a lot of crime, a lot of fraud. And Suge Knight, eventually, who's the label's founder, one of the founders. I'm not going to go into a deep dive into Mm -hmm. the company. He eventually went to jail. He is in jail now. And Snoop Dogg has been attempting to get a hold of this record company 
almost pure, not for nostalgia purposes, mm-hmm. but he, you know, he feels a connection to it because his original albums were all rele- you know, released through there in yeah. the early days of his career. I, I can still probably sing all the words to Murder Was the Case that they gave me word for word. I'm not going to do that here, but uh, it's like he. he what? It, it, How many subscribers do you need to do that? I, we're not doing that. If we that. have 30,000 subscribers, two, will you do it? N- there, there's a lot of N words in there that I can't. You can bleep them. I can bleep the, uh, No, I can't. I'm just going to no, skip over them. Um, but, instead of saying the N word, you just say nick there you go yeah uh, but okay so 30,000 30, subscribers <laughs> mm-hmm. what i'm saying is that this record label may, played a huge part of my like there uh, if it's one of those things where they have a logo <coughs> where even if you didn't know what it was you've likely seen it which is like it's a man in the ele- in like in the electric chair and says death row records i guarantee you at one point in your life whether out on the streets you've seen that logo somewhere uh and it just kind of blew my mind that he stayed this like Connected to wanting to buy this thing that was such a big part of his life. It says, according to a press release via Business Wire, the rap legend will be leading the brand for the coming years as its new owner. Snoop Dogg originally joined Death Row Records in 1993 where he dropped a critically acclaimed debut album, Doggy Style, also one of the best album covers and album art uh, pieces mm-hmm. of all time. I highly recommend you go on the internet and look up all the album art for that album. Yep, you uh, can find it. Uh, it, says, uh, it says, Snoop Dogg emphasized how excited he was <coughs> to have acquired such a significant brand to the culture like Death Row. I am thrilled and appreciative of the opportunity to acquire the iconic and culturally significant Death Row Records brand, which has an immense untapped future value, the rap icon said. It feels good to have ownership of the label I was part of the beginning of in the start of my career, and as one of the founding members, this is an extremely meaningful moment for me. I would like to personally thank the team at Blackstone, Emma NRK, and especially David uh, Kestenbaum, who worked collaboratively with me over several months to make this exciting homecoming reality i'm looking forward to building the next chapter of death row records so he was like this is a blackstone property this is just another one mm-hmm. of those venture capital owned uh they knew it would be worth something yeah so it says snoop dogg previously discussed his desire to own death row records in an interview with gq he explained <coughs> being turned down for the purchase led to a role with def jam records e1 music which owned death row records up until april of 2021 didn't want to give me action at it so then i asked could i buy it and they acted like they didn't want to sell it of course because they see value I mean, like I said. Also, like he expressed that he wanted to buy it, and they were like, "No, no. Yeah. how much can we get for this?" He should have been like, uh, "I could, I could, you know, I'd like to have it, maybe, kind of, sorta." Uh, but like, but it almost—it probably worked against him over the years to have shown so much desire to own this label. Mm-hmm. But this is another. This is an older article. This is from earlier this year, I believe. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it says Snoop Dogg reveals he was hurt after not being able to purchase Death Row Records. So he's been after this for a while. And I really do think. Have you ever seen those memes? It says with it, it's Snoop Dogg working at a drive-through. It's Snoop Dogg doing all these weird stuff. It says Snoop Dogg really is just playing all the side quests, right? Uh, yeah, right now. so funny. Like, because he, he's done everything he needs to do. Yeah. And what's weird is I looked up his net worth. Now, obviously, these net worth predictions are, are, are very far from accurate. But it was like only $150 million, which is a lot of money. But mm-hmm. to purchase like a, like, I, I, I would love to be able to see the contract about what is included by purchasing this record. If it means all of the masters mm-hmm. of all of these albums. Or if you just literally bought the, the record label exactly. name, Death Row Records. Yeah, I'd be curious about that, too. What I like about this story is that this is like 
a I've made my money and now I'm just buying something I really, yeah. really, really. It's like if it's you. A middle, it's a middle-aged guy buying a Corvette. Exactly. It's a rich middle-aged guy, except for he's buying a right. record label. Right. If you make it, you have your like 100,000, 100 million, sorry, not 100,000, 100 million, 200 million in the bank. Like what, what is your emotional purchase that you were like, I'm just getting it. It doesn't matter. Because mm. that's what it seems like. Like, I mean, he was, they're using emotional language. He was hurt. Like it's sentimental to him. I would buy the house from Scream 1. The house oh, okay. in the hills from Scream One. Where is that? Uh, it's in uh, it's in the hills of California. Would you live there, or would you just? Like, I would live there. It? I would live there. You want to live in That's, California? No, Wait. I don't. But if <laughs> I had that much money, if, I, I'd keep my money offshore. <laughs> yeah, miracle. What's yours? What's yours? Like I, your emotional treat myself. I've made it purchase. Oh really? Um, well, I was talking to one of our coworkers. I'm planning to invest into property mm-hmm. and just like after that rent all the rooms mm-hmm. and then just make more money off of that renting rooms nonstop. and then i'm gonna open my own clothing line oh. and then sell that and then we're just gonna make a bunch of merch so nonstop. what would you do but like if you like but you make your, you, you make your millions like what is that thing no i'm just gonna keep on working you keep working but yeah. like you're not gonna have like you're not gonna buy yourself a fancy car a yeah, record you buy label, at least a one thing for yourself no. Like I've known people who buy their like childhood home. She's horrible at this. this. This is like a it's she's a, she's young, she hasn't dreamed as long as we have. <laughs> it's a hypothetical. Yeah. I know, but like no. No, why would you do that? Because like you have money. I mean you have to spend mm-hmm. when you have that much money, you actually have to buy things because yep. like That's otherwise true. it's all ta- capital gains and mm-hmm. taxes and things like That's that. That's true. I don't know. Maybe I I really don't know because I don't really think about spending like that. Mm-hmm. I think more like investments. Yeah. I have a hard time deciding what I would get. Like I don't know. <laughs> well, what would I don't know. Now you have to let us and know. I have thought about like okay, give us two buying like the apartment in New York where my parents first lived when they were married. Wow, mm-hmm. Okay. Um, or like for me, I think it's all sentimental. Like I would want to like treat my family to like a cool vacation or something. Mm-hmm. I can't think of a physical object. Like this is really specific. Like this yes. is like a foundation of who he is. Mm-hmm. Um I suppose it would be like me buying the first skate company that sponsored me. Yeah, that Aww. might be something. Um, I like your scream thing better, yes, to be honest. The, the, that was the first thing that came to mind. Yeah. Was the, it was that. But it, it's just... Maybe it's, I'd buy like my grandparents' house in England. Like mm-hmm. They don't own it. They haven't owned it for a long time, but that'd be kind of cool. Well, also, uh, I can't buy a property that I grew up in because basically we still have it. Mm-hmm. Well, there you go. Yeah, we still have it, so I don't really care about that unless they... My grandparents want that West Virginia, not West Virginia. They live in Richmond, Virginia. When they first migrated to the U.S., they yeah. lived in an apartment. I feel but like it'd I be don't. cool to have like a piece of like your origin story, no mm-hmm. matter like where yep. it came from. Like that's yeah. what he's doing. That's cool. They I'm still also, young. I don't know. They point out that uh, Kanye West released a statement. He called it uh, ca- that uh, Snoop Dogg <laughs> buying Death Row Records is Black Future Month. Like, uh, oh my gosh! I, I like that. Those things. It's not about. Uh, he's like. He's like. We'll talk about their history, but we're going to talk about their future. I as like well. it better as like successful guy spends money know, on what I he know. wants. It's, it's a lot. That's less fine. Like you know, it, it fits within the within mm-hmm. this context. Is uh, along with the new ex- acquisition. Maybe Kanye West buys the Gap that he, he used to work in in Chicago. He <sighs> could do that. He he could absolutely do that. Uh, I, I'm. I wonder if he owns all the masters. I mean, he he's got to own all his masters, right? Do we I, learn I, nothing from Taylor Swift? Yes. Uh, along with this new acquisition, Snoop Dogg will also be partnering with. Gala Games to release BODR on blockchain as an exclusive stash box of NFTs. 
uh, a lot uh, ahead of its drop on streaming services. When talking about blockchain music coming together, the rapper said he believes it to be the natural evolution of the industry. I love anytime I get to bring up uh, blockchain and NFTs because I don't care, and I love how angry other mm-hmm. people get in either in defense or in <coughs> hatred of NFTs. It's mm-hmm. such a weird thing. It, it's the we- out of all the hills you could die on, it's the funniest one in the world That's to me. That's the one. It used to be like crypt, like just Crypto. straight up Bitcoin. People yeah. were like it's ridiculous or super like super had really positive strong positive or negative feelings. crypto bros and and they're like super negative about their about your uh, your feelings about cryptocurrency and i'm just over here like i don't care what you you i I, you do you i'm gonna cite our future t-shirt that i have inserted myself in this podcast for the no strong opinions t-shirt it's a beautiful thing buy that somewhere one day (laughs) now i know what i want to purchase i want to purchase the legal rights to my name Ooh, <coughs> people do that though when they're like going up when they're becoming famous just yep. like well i just want to be i just want to see how far i can go because my word my word my name is legally a word yep. so that's true so if i a, buy the rights it says would love to it says would love to break down all, all of this deal uh the word brand is used a lot uh, right now uh oh, it says would love breakdown of this deal the word brand is used a lot uh, I'm, I'm assuming they that's mean what I said. a lot. Yeah. Uh, does uh, own right use brand are full? Yeah, that's a horrible. It's just but that, what they're, I assume what they're saying is like, does he literally own the brand name or does he own the company and structure behind it? So there's a, a write up here. It says, according to, to what I've read, deal includes all of the of Death Row's masters. So if that's true, it isn't a bad deal, but we'll see. Uh, I, Did they I, give a purchase I price? I couldn't find an article or like, the pr- I'm guessing it's concealed until time of sale, probably. Mm. Um, according to what I've read, the deal includes all of DR's masters. So if that's true, that isn't a bad deal, but we'll see. And then some people go in and they talk about how Suge Knight really did ruin uh, Death Row and Tupac. The death of Tupac was uh, obviously the biggest blow against this uh, against the label. And then after that, you know, Bad Boy Records, Death Row Records, Def, Def Jam survived, but the rest mm-hmm. of it, the everything that was kind of connected with the East Coast, West Coast feud kind of fell out of public consciousness, at least as far as uh, mainstream public consciousness. Rap is obviously a completely different game now. Uh, but uh, it's just funny because uh, Suge's definitely in jail and it's good to see that uh, Snoop, who has, uh, for all intents and purposes, become kind of a cultural icon. Uh, that, that man can just do anything. He can. He can really do anything. That's like, true. Like, uh, change his name to Snoop Lion. Yes, he can But nobody that. called him that because it wasn't catching on. Yeah, dude. It's our nickname for him, Snoop Dogg. I mean, you mm-hmm. know, uh, he's Sasha Banks' uncle. Yeah, I knew. Yeah, that. like he, he like sang her to the ring mm-hmm. at like one of the WrestleManias. He he really like I bet you like he just he has like a no no policy. <laughs> Somebody asks him to do something, he says sure. Yeah. No, I love the interview that um, Fluffy talked about in one of his comedy standups on Netflix. He was like, "Yeah, so I got interviewed by Snoop Dogg for his podcast, and legit, I brought my son because he was such a Snoop Dogg fan." And he, how old was the son? Like that, it's weird. Like mm -hmm. any kid who's like a fan of Snoop Dogg now is probably not a fan of Snoop Dogg for his music, but for Snoop Dogg Mm -hmm. as the. But they might be. I mean, like part of having like an online (coughs) presence and legacy is like Mm -hmm. so younger people can discover you, like this guy. Yeah. So young he looks there in that picture. That's true. Um, When the comedy show came out, uh, I, I barely turned eighteen the son i think he's like a couple months older than me or one year older than me okay um but yeah basically what happened was he went to the interview and snoop dogg like you know how his podcast is the same thing like joe rogan where they smoke a little bit weed Mm -hmm. yeah so um he was like do you want to take a hit and 
fluffy was like exaggerating how big the blunt was but he was like this is like the biggest blunt ever and i wanted to be a good example to my son but my son was encouraging me so i took the peer pressure and took a big huff into it and then um we're um listening to like um hispanic uh music and then i was like wait you don't even speak spanish you even know what they're talking about and snoop dogg like he quote him he was like i shit you not he said gangster no gangster (laughs) (laughs) that's brett's life motto (laughs) exactly snoop dogg's the man exactly Um, you can't get mad at him you you really can't um so his best friend is martha stewart if you think about it it really is like the definition of like somebody saw those two together in some (laughs) marketing agency uh, and the studio's like this is going to be awesome mm-hmm. yeah. it's, it's a weird hollywood odd couple people are gonna love this uh it's fantastic mm-hmm. it's fantastic but i love it how people are like well he talks about long beach so much how come he moved out and i was like nobody wants to live in long beach that's well it was it was even it was probably even worse <coughs> back native then. californian remember has spoken. that uh that um death row records that's the home of regulators from yeah. warren g mm-hmm. uh, uh, yeah all the, the soundtrack so uh i say fantastic for snoop dogg i can't wait yes. to see. i hope he does uh re-releases and everything he'll make a lot of money uh, if if he does own the masters and he does like re-released master like re-released uh, versions of like All Eyes on Me, mm-hmm. which is arguably disc one of All Eyes on Me is like one of my is probably my favorite CD or like album of all time. Mm-hmm. So I would buy it even if I don't have a CD player. So I don't. I'm not. I'm not a vinyl person. Uh, I have a lot of Aww. friends that are vinyl people. I, I'm not a vinyl person. Would you ever purchase vinyl art? Uh. <laughs> Actually, putting up the album cover to All Eyes on Me behind me might be a good idea. Mm-hmm. That actually might be something I could do. But uh, or maybe I'll put up a death row poster. So the so. only reason I ask because like there's certain artists like who carve and cut into vinyl to make it into like clocks, but it's like intricate designs of like Alice in Wonderland or like whatever movie you're into. I don't know. Expensive though, right? Uh, depending where you buy it from, I don't support Etsy because they screw over the artists a lot but they sell it pretty cheap on there also ebay yeah well ebay mm-hmm. might be a good look yeah so yes uh thank you snoop dog we look forward to what you uh what you're going to release from them uh i want to talk about this article <coughs> uh, hannah claire this one's going to be great for mm-hmm. you uh fox is the resident needs to stop being so topical Fox is the resident has characters we care for but the handling of certain topics as of late makes it difficult to keep tuning in so this um article is about seven years late roughly uh this what's the show it's like a medical it's a drama? medical drama like i said i don't watch this show but the article first of all one of the reasons i brought this up is this is not from like a a, a center right news site this isn't coming from fox news this isn't coming from bounding into comics it's mm-hmm. not coming from bleeding fool it's not coming from cosmic book news which are all sites that tend to have more of a neutral that's actually being really generous uh, a, a center right perspective or just their counterculture to what the mainstream narrative is Okay. CBR is very much in the term of mainstream geek culture websites. I think the mainstream culture is pretty anti-religion, though. Just mm-hmm. uh, but but they don't just talk religion here. Uh, but the, the, so it says Fox is the resident as characters we care for for the handling of certain topics as of late make it difficult to keep tuning in. Starting in 2018 and currently in its fifth season, Fox's medical drama The Resident follows the uh, doctor the doctors of Chastain. Uh, Park Memorial Hospital as they navigate the perils of medical bureaucracy while still saving lives. Compelling characters make the writing effective as it impels as it impels viewers to uh, is that a word impels? 
I think it might mean compels viewers. Compel, okay, cool. Uh, uh, to see both sides of the issue <coughs> inherent, at least until recently. See, that's what I'm saying. It used to be, they used the uh, Hollywood used to be able to do this, share mm -hmm. both sides of <coughs> the argument without explicitly telling you that one side was better than the other. Even if one's a bad guy, a lot of times there uh, there's strong motives that you can understand for that character that don't, don't make them out to be a cartoon villain. Mm -hmm. uh, it says, while the events of 2020 impacted everyone, for serial television, the effect was a little different. Production got delayed, new safety measures were implemented, and those shows set in modern era had to decide to acknowledge the COVID, uh, how to acknowledge the COVID pandemic. CBS's Bull, for uh, for one, chose to power through it, showing much uh, how much issues would affect the courtroom. Fox's The Resident, on the other hand, decided to go with the time skips to get the storyline out of the, from under the pandemic show. Shadow, sorry. And yet, despite being set in a nebulous amount of time in the future, today's politics still hamper the show. Those who have taken human relations courses in school understand that one big rule presented, never discuss religion or politics. It is not to say such discussions have no place in entertainment media, but it needs to be done really, really well in order to not chase the audience off. NBC's procedural drama Law & Order has managed such tricky topics for years, for example, primarily through good writing and fantastic delivery. I want to know where Law the hell- Law & Order or Law & Order SVU? Uh, I, I, I mean, really both. Uh, mm -hmm. Law & Order did it well, too. Um, I want to know where the hell this article has been for the last five to seven years. I really do. I think they're fed up now. Television, like, yeah. network television especially, has gone steadily downhill since 2015. Uh, a lot of people, at least the, that I've done research into, attri attribute this to like when they enacted... Uh, ESG funding uh, for net for these companies to be able to they don't have to worry about their network numbers as much as they used to as long as they're pushing the right message or what they believe is the right social mm -hmm. message uh, I th I think that that may be part of it I would say more of it has to do with good writers are just uh, going to premier networks like Showtime or they're going to HBO Max mm -hmm. or they're going to net. Uh, no, Netflix is not hiring. Netflix is full of garbage. Uh, they're going to Hulu. They're going to all these places where they can get um, better deals to write less episodes. Where And then the network television uh, is being populated by people who didn't grow up with writing as much as they grew up with watching television and movies. And they're writing in a way that is far less subtle. So what's this article's like main objection? Uh, uh, so they're saying here is, uh, uh, we'll go down further. It says, uh, not so with, okay, where, where do we leave off here? Mm -hmm. Okay, in many cases, viewers are left with the feeling that there might... Uh, uh, or might not be a right answer. They're referring to the law and order to the to the past topics, right? Mm -hmm. That yeah, it was nebulous and how it was over. That saying they could see both sides. And they of the think aisle. that the mm -hmm. resident is not doing that. What is the resident it says, doing? Uh, but it's delivered in such a way that hot topics become discussion points rather than points of contention. That is an yeah. important point. Like when they make these things now, it's always contentious. Mm -hmm. It's never a discussion. It's always people dig into their corners. And are rabid about what they believe rather than being willing to see it from a not so much neutral but open-minded perspective that good writing seems to bring out of people. Hmm. So it says not so with season five of The Resident. Despite doing well uh, with balancing act with the balancing act in previous seasons, this season hasn't done a good job of portraying both sides. Religious viewers could rightfully take issue with the callous way belief systems are viewed, while those viewers tired of current events will not appreciate how mentions of COVID and word-for-word -word quotes from the news are tossed in. I talk a lot about how much buzzwords ruin these shows. 
buzzwords are what absolutely draw you out of it. If I'm watching a television show and you have an infinite amount, okay, not an infinite amount of time, but you have an infinite amount of creativity and energy to write something truly uh, unique to a character, why are they reciting uh, MSNBC Mm -hmm. or Fox uh, talking points, word for word? Uh, One could make the argument that if they were products of their environment, maybe those words slip into their lingo. Mm-hmm. But I think that's uh, that's something that you can sacrifice for the sake of making the writing more engaging and uh, all-encompassing to the story. It pulls you everything in and it disperses the real world where it becomes a, f- a sort of shadow. You see the shadow of the real world on the outset, but it doesn't play into every aspect of the story because what you're doing is not the real world. You're telling a story. Uh, more care should be paid to what words are put on screen. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't know how much of that is uh, vamping from actors. Are they inserting these words? Uh, Is it the type of director that tells them to read the words word for word on the script? My guess is if it's buzzwords, those are very integral to whatever the topic is, so those are likely written for them. Uh, it says, uh, so it says, we go past religious viewers. Well, those viewers tired of current events will not appreciate how mentions of COVID and word for word quotes from the news are tossed in, particularly as they don't feel integral beats to the story. Like I said, uh, it's a far cry from writing from earlier season and drags down more, the more thought provoking moments of the, sh- the show can have. It's questionable why current events are still talking points in the show, considering the two time skips. The first uh, time to get to a point where COVID is no longer a problem, and the second time to get the main character of Dr. Conrad Hawkins to a point where he could believably return to Chastain. At minimum, the show's six years ahead of current events and yet feels like the writers are not only focused on delivering quality entertainment as much, they're not as focused on delivering quality entertainment as much as sending a message. I've been saying this for years. Mm-hmm. Uh, what was the point of enacting a six-year time skip? Like, I love and appreciate shows that just ignore co- I, COVID. I had this, was that you I was having this discussion with you and Brian? Mm-hmm. I was like, I would just, I wish that they would just not talk about it. Yep. It's an interesting crossroads that I think other shows have to face. This was similar during 9 11. Like, there were a lot of shows yes. that had to choose to acknowledge or not acknowledge 9 11. And that's um, obviously impacted the rest of the story, but also it spoke to a cultural um, beat, I guess I would say. Like, is this too sensitive to be mixed into television? Is there a way to respectfully acknowledge it? Does acknowledging it add to your storyline? And I think similarly with COVID, like the fact that it's set, let's say in current times, like you do have to make the decision. Are we going to suspend animation and pretend like COVID's not around? Mm -hmm. Are we going to, you know, live in a sort of just like you, but not real universe where uh, we don't have to wear masks all the time? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I think that this is an interesting article more than what's happening with the rest of it, it, it's interesting to me that they are starting to talk about like, you know, some people may not like that they don't represent both sides because there are <laughs> so many shows that don't represent I both know. sides. I specifically asked you about Law and Order SVU because I think it's one of the worst offenders of having a single ideology represented. I earlier mean, seasons, earlier less seasons, so. way better. Yeah, later seasons, not so awful, much. awful, yep. awful, awful. Uh, and that's true of a lot of crime shows. You can count on, you know, it's fun to watch them and say, okay, but who do you think is going to be the criminal? Is it going to be anyone but the white, a white guy? No, it, no. it will not. And uh, like, it's, you know. I can uh, respect that it is a difficult decision whether or not to acknowledge COVID and that if you are to acknowledge COVID and the same kind of fears that people who talk about it on YouTube uh, or, you know, who might just be vlogging about their experience with yeah. the the virus, they maybe feel like, oh, I'm going to get like a strike or a mark or they aren't sure if they're allowed to talk about it at all. So 
being like, well, we're when we talk about it, we're using stuff that the mainstream media, our characters who are fake, are yep. still using real talking mm-hmm. points. Maybe it's a way to protect themselves. The the 9-11 thing you mentioned is interesting because mm-hmm. I, I can fully admit that that one is a far less of a trigger point for me, so it didn't bother me as much. Uh, now Nowadays, like I go back and watch that stuff and seeing the blatantly over-the-top pro-America stuff uh, about terrorism, mm-hmm. which... I still am. You know, I love this country. Uh, I don't have to be uh, the biggest fan of uh, how our government uh, handles foreign uh, foreign policy to still be uh, a very big supporter mm-hmm. of our country mm-hmm. and those who choose to serve in the military. But that's like I said, that's me as an audience member being willing to go on that journey, uh, open in a more open minded fashion because right. it doesn't bother me. Well, as much. and I think there was a reaction to it. I think then yes. five or six years later, it was like. You, oh, we're going to show a lot of people who were who have suffered because we accuse them in these fictional yes, words of yep. being mm-hmm. terrorists. And like, I think there is a place for both. I'm not saying Absolutely. that there is one narrative or the other. Um, I think that there are probably, you know, I, the medical show I watched the most was House, uh, and yeah. religion is done. a really interesting thing that comes up regularly. But there is ultimately, I think, a sense that like religion is not for people of science which nope. i don't believe because um, in that show uh cameron's not religious but um in fact none of the main chase, team, is. chase he, he thought about going he was in like theology school yes or something. chase was religious uh there is a maybe one of my favorite scenes from any sh- uh, show ever was from house and it was from it was the part in the sto- in the episode three stories when he talks about uh at the end of the episode, they're ta- he talks about uh, basically talking about how he doesn't believe in an afterlife, mm-hmm. and he he says to them, he says, uh, he, they said, do you believe that what happened was real? Talking about his what was going on in his head uh, as he was going under for having his leg removed. He goes, he goes, do I think it was real? He goes, define real. Mm-hmm. He goes, they were real experiences. What they meant. Certainly the white light people see. I think it's just all things that the brain feels as the chemicals in the brain as your brain is shutting down. Mm-hmm. And he goes, uh, and they said, you choose to believe that? He goes, there's no conclusive science. I choose what I believe to be what is the most comforting. And they said, Cameron goes, you choose to believe that this is it? And he says, I choose to believe that this isn't simply a test. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So he's very, and that spoke to me a lot when I was younger. As I get older, less so. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think people's relationship with religion develops over time. Yes. And I think that's why it's nice to have a variety of perspectives. And mm. I obviously don't watch this sh- I don't know if it's obvious, but I don't watch this <laughs> yeah. show. Uh, I will say that <coughs> Dr. Conrad appears to be, um, I can't, Matthew something or whatever, but he played uh, uh, Logan Huntsberger on Gilmore Girls, mm-hmm. which is one of my all-time favorite shows. There you go. Yes, um, but, you know... To me, maybe this is too late. Maybe they should have already noticed that there is a lot of like single-minded writing. And this goes back years. It is notable that they are someone somewhere is like, oh, wait, I don't know if this works anymore. Maybe it signals a, a change in uh, in the tide that that I'm se- that I'm not seeing this on one of the main sites that I would normally well, go you're, to. Well, you're like. Finally, they're catching up, and maybe it's notable that they are catching up. Yes. So, so, but it says, uh, and it's this separation that the resident currently lacks. The unadulterated topics they uh, they keep bringing up saturate the news, and people are tired of it. The reason many people tune in is to entertainment is to escape. We've been talking about escapism and entertainment being a, a thing of the past for years now. Mm-hmm. Uh, to escape the real world for an hour or so, to go to a place that is like uh, ours but better. By not approaching the topics objectively like they have in 
the past, the show runs the risk of alienating viewers. I will say that uh, trying to not explain COVID in a medical show seems like a tall task. If anyone should dress, I feel like it's a medical yes, show. Yes. But yeah. also this, sh- like the, the line that like the way they've done something in the past, like maybe it's not about, you know, if, if a show suddenly gets a new writer mid second or third season, like they will lose audience members sometimes. Yep. Like it can really affect, even it has nothing to do with politics or anything like that. Like, if the vibe is over, you may not want to pursue the show any longer. Two b- great examples of this are the show Madam Secretary with mm-hmm. Taya Leone. Uh, uh, once it had three really good seasons, and then once Trump got elected, uh, whole cra- there's even Hillary Clinton in like season four or five. Like they, they make a point of like, they talk about being, she's she becomes the Secretary of State, but they don't really acknowledge political parties, uh, wh- who's who, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, all the things are delivered from a standpoint that you can watch and not really feel like you're being triggered by all of it mm-hmm. uh, there's also the show uh, The Rookie which is a police procedural starring Nathan Fillion which was very fairly neutral for the first two seasons and then when George Floyd happened uh, became anti-cop uh, very fast on a cop show mm-hmm. which was um, challenging yeah not to mention like now like I said we're, we're going to talk about um uh, the Peacemaker yep. and with modern television you'd think there's a white supremacist literally on every corner I guess it, I don't really care so much I, I like the religion aspect of it better because I think that that's a less uh, uh, mm-hmm. triggering topic for most people to think about maybe we could do more neutrality in religion too but also bring that to the political aspects as well when they talk about that mm-hmm. stuff on these shows and there's a great quote from Bill Watterson here it says as Calvin and Hobbes creator Bill Watterson said poli- Hobbes. Pol- politics and entertainment media quote does not have to have labels written across everything or make its points with a sledgehammer. A thoughtful delivery can spark more discussion than simply parroting current events. The latter immediately dates the media and prompts viewers to to change the channel. While the former sticks uh, long after the show is done, media can make people think, but in order to do this, it needs to feel less like a lecture and more like a conversation. Mm Mm-hmm. Yep. Not, Not to mention that, the guy didn't sell the rights to make Hobbs plush dolls out of oh artistic gosh. integrity. Bill Watterson's an uh, incredible, huge mm-hmm. part of my childhood, and I just think that like that is very interesting. Do you have a favorite Calvin and Hobbes anthology? No, I don't. One of the best gifts I ever got my my dad gave my brother and I the like complete collection. Yes. Like it's the hardbound, it's in the box, wow. and mm-hmm. um, you know it was something we all. It, when I was a kid, my dad didn't grow up with them, and my brother mm-hmm. borrowed like a friend's yeah. copy of it, and like just we all fell in love with it all together my dad loves Hobbs the Ranger Rick um, yes no Spaceman Spaceman Spiff Spiff. that's what I'm thinking Spiff Uh, Spiff he is also a popular um, uh, uh, section of my house Um, anything where he's in the snow like I, I'm really sentimental. Any of the sledding scenes. Oh my uh, gosh, just all, like the whole thing. Just, Homicidal Psycho Jungle Cat may be the most uh, re- memorable cover mm-hmm. uh, of any of those books. So yes, Calvin and Hobbes is incredible. Miracle, you should read some Calvin and Hobbes. I did. Oh yeah, you went to art school, so you, I, yeah. I assume that you've read at least mm-hmm. some Calvin and Hobbes. Does it, does it bother you when entertain? Like, I mean, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. Does it bother you when the entertainment is too uh, sledgehammer esque in how they handle these topics? It depends how they handle it because mm-hmm. it all really depends who the writer is and if they can execute it beautifully or just a tragedy. And we're gonna ta- we're gonna actually talk about this mm-hmm. with James Gunn a little bit here in the next topic. So I, I think <coughs> we just go ahead and get into it because Yay. he does a very good job of this. Uh, this is for. 
uh, Peacemaker Episode 7 uh, review. And I bring this up because he's somebody who can bring up... Uh, <laughs> there's some sledgehammer elements to this episode, right? Meaning mm-hmm. that the stuff with his dad uh, being the White Dragon. Yeah. Um, obviously, it's a character named the White Dragon who like has white... Uh, he's a white supremacist that's part of the character Uh, so it says episode 7 of Peacemaker turns the focus back to the past as we see Chris and his brother Keith in their room listening to rock music with with Augie holding bets they're encouraged to head out and fight one another in a no holds barred match with big punch to the cheek Chris knocks out his brother who ends up convulsing and fitting on the floor so he his brother dies um, in this fight that his dad basically held uh, in like a a bet with people in the neighborhood to to do right mm-hmm. um it's very uh one-dimensional and how like they're all all the hicks are portrayed as just ridiculous caricatures i hated that part of it uh, i'll give gun uh leeway on this because he tends to make all characters caricatures in some sort so it's not like it's uh mm-hmm. just these people most of the people in the show have ridiculous personality traits so why wouldn't these characters as well <laughs> i wouldn't expect them to be more uh nuanced in that way yeah um so basically in this episode we see him uh in vigilante go on the run because they yep. found out that uh Adebayo had uh planted this diary in peacemaker's uh, mobile home yep. to get him in trouble and then they find out that Mer- after they find out that Mern was one of the butterflies mm-hmm. the butterflies have infected the entire police force uh, in this neighborhood, right? Yep, and don't forget the prisoners who were there. Yes, and the prisoners. So like they're going out and now they're all working together. It's really funny looking to see a bunch of cops and prisoners like marching together to do stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, Judo, Judo Master escapes. This is actually really funny because like somebody calls him a leprechaun because he's that short. And he's got a green outfit on. Mm-hmm. Ah. And then, like, all of a sudden, like, when they came out, he, like, hits them when they straight up came out. And the store clerk at the gas station, no, no, Mini Mart, yeah. sees the whole thing, but all he did was a thumbs up. Yep. Uh, I will say, like, there, there's, like, this funny um, mm-hmm. meme that I used, not meme, but it's it, it was, like, a gun control thing. I apologize for getting political, where they talk about how long are we going to let people have their fantasy about saving someone in the street, you know, about people who have weapons, like, protecting someone. Yeah. Uh, how long are we going to let that fantasy go on before we ban guns? A lot of what I see from shows like this is people who have that fantasy of like they walk into a store and someone needlessly heckles them and then they get to beat them up, mm-hmm. which never actually happens in yeah. the real world. Yeah, like this is happens in almost everything that we watch. Like in the beginning of Jack Reacher, of yes. Reacher, there's even a scene at the beginning where they avoid this, where he's going into a diner and this guy's like heckling his girlfriend, being mean to her, and all he has to do is look at the guy to get him to apologize. Mm-hmm. But at least that's more subtle than uh, than what they're doing here. A a lot of it is like this, like, uh, I would punch the crap out of somebody who disrespected me, which, as we know, most people, once they're actually put in that position, rarely, if Yeah, ever I was going to say, mm-hmm. I feel like people often will be like, if you ever looked at me, I would beat him up or yeah. like whatever. And like, I don't know, I've definitely heard people say that. And like, it, it, you know, you don't say anything, but in the moment you're also like, would you? Like, would that exactly. be your first instinct? Partially because like the people who are saying it are not like outwardly violent. Like no. there are some people who have a hard time controlling your temper. And if they were to say that, you'd be like, 
yeah i could believe that like mm-hmm. you would just start punching but or it's people who just grew up on the internet and never understood what it's like to be in an actual fight that's um, true and they they're they sure get into a lot of online arguments that's true mortal Kombat, it's not real you guys exactly so the biggest part of the storyline is we see how his brother dies and the main story and i'm glad they paid this mm-hmm. off this episode and got it over with with his dad being the white dragon and his followers i kid you not i, I wrote the quote down in the in the subtitles or not the, like in the subtitles when they give like a description of what's going on mm-hmm. there's a thing where it says racist thug groans <laughs> <laughs> so um his dad the costume was cool the, yeah. co- the costume that the, the, the did you ever see the show arrow uh i didn't watch it fully but i know the first season was really good in my mind in season two there's a character named sebastian blood who wears like this <laughs> like uh th- the skull mask yeah to like and then he like it's kind of supposed to be played like um the um what was uh his character the the guy from Cillian Murphy's character from The Dark Knight. Um, uh, I, I can't remember the name of it. Do you lose okay. points as a pop culture host? Yes, I do. Yes. I, every time that happens, as soon as I started... Like, uh, Slowly I, when he I, forgets... You're going to put... Uh, Scarecrow. Death Row Records behind you, and I'm going to put a scoreboard. And every time you get something wrong, I'm just going to mark it. I, it's very annoying. Like, all, but also, it's like I, I, my memory's fantastic anywhere but here. But it's getting better the more we do. But I'm like, it's. Uh, I don't care. Um, so Scarecrow has the mask he wears when he mm-hmm. would give people the fear toxin. He he wore a mask similar to that, and that's what this mask that White Dragon evokes. Yeah. Uh, and basically, it comes down to him, uh, Christopher, uh, uh, the peacemaker, fighting his dad for the last time. Yeah. And this is where James Gunn really does a good job because him and his dad fight and his dad beats the crap out of him uh, and says, I wish, you know, uh, he's like, I should have killed you when you were a child. Uh, you were a failure. He's, he talks about, he's like, you you dishonored me by having like by sleeping with those not pure of blood and like and the, men which yeah. means like he, he kind of weirds in there that apparently he's also bisexual and this makes the dad very angry of course in the most caricaturish way ever because it is what it is that mm-hmm. that part didn't bother me as much because the dad's clearly supposed to be the shithead bad guy mm. um and then finally at the end he wins and spoiler alert as people know he He's about to kill his dad mm-hmm. when no he does no, I'm sorry he does he, does. he basically his dad he, he shoots his closer. dad he shoots his dad and his dad's like you won't do it you need me mm-hmm. and he shoots his dad in the head but then immediately starts bawling uh, and but then from right there mm-hmm. vigilante like makes some weird comedy he's like why are you exercising your face muscles and this is where James Gunn does really well he's having this deep emotional moment. He's just killed his own father to save a bunch of other people and kind of excise this uh, shadow that's, you know, this demon that's held on to him for years, the the hold his dad had over him, mm-hmm. uh, trying to both escape his dad's bigotry and mm-hmm. to also prove that he was a better person, but not being able to fully remove himself from him because in the end he's still family, mm-hmm. which there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of nuance to that. So he's crying and then... Vigilante comes in and says something ridiculously stupid and Economo says, you're an idiot for saying this to him. So there's this weird banter going back and forth <laughs> as he's literally bawling on the floor. The fu- yeah. is dead. So it's like... It's, just, mm-hmm. it's comic relief. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but it's done in a way that it, it doesn't uh, take away from the moment because it fits. There's also the scene earlier where after uh, the character of Mern is murdered by all the, the infected cops, the butterfly that has infected Mern escapes mm-hmm. And is shot by one of the other... Uh, no, not shot. She crushes it. She crushes it. it. And then Harcourt picks this thing up. And there's literally this emotional moment where she watches a CGI butterfly die. That's mm-hmm. like a bad... The butterflies are supposed to be like the bad guys. And yeah. that was like the most emotionally evocative part in the series for it. Yeah. And it's where that actress really 
does her best work. No, like I felt more emotion when she was complaining to uh, Autobio. Um, where she was like, why would you do that to Peacemaker? Place a fake journal there. She's also calling mm-hmm. him Chris now. Yeah. Because she's, they've moved past this part where she, she considers him a friend now. So she's not calling him Peacemaker. She's calling him Chris. That, I believe, is script relevant. That mm-hmm. they change what they're calling, the, what she's calling him, because they now see each other differently. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. Like, they're slowly becoming like a true team that yeah. um, Peacemaker wanted. Yep. Which he deserves now. But I don't know. It, it's just like this whole episode. I really like it more, excluding the cow. The uh, okay, half the budget had to have spent on this thing at the end. Uh, there's this. It's an ugly ass thing. It's not. A I, don't, I don't know what it is. It, it looks it's a like bug. A, it looks like a giant slimer from. Uh, it's with a nine bug eyes. with six eyes. But it's the CGI is really really good for for a TV budget. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it is disgusting looking. Um, there's also um, vigilante. He continues to be my favorite character. Yeah. Um, they go to a vet clinic to get patched up and Vigilante's like, well, we got to kill these vet workers now mm-hmm. because they've seen our faces and they know who we are. And they're like, we're not going to do that. We're just going to tie them up. Yeah. And he's really bummed that he doesn't get to kill them at first. Economo and, and him had like this cute little banter where he's like, oh, you're against zip ties, but murdering them is okay. After they decide to let them live, a Vigilante's like, well, we can't zip tie them too tight because their wrists will hurt. Or mm-hmm. we can't, uh, and he's like, wait, so you were going to, you care about like their, their skin getting burned, but you were about to brutally murder them. Yeah. <laughs> and he goes, yes. <laughs> but then like, I love what Vigilante said. He said, Akadamo, we have the best like chemistry ever. It's not like how, um, Peacemaker and my chemistry is, but we have a good, um, chemistry going. They also show the, there, there, there's the reference to the Eagle hug earlier mm-hmm. on in the series where he's like, oh, I God. hugged an Eagle once and out of bio. like, you never hugged an Eagle. <laughs> Cause he has a pet Eagle, like a CGI mm-hmm. Eagle that's with him at all the time. And this episode, she, she sees him from behind glass without him knowing he's there. And the Eagle gives him a hug again. And she takes it as this big sign that maybe she's supposed to stay on and help, even though like she's yeah. been told to leave. Um, I think the other part was uh, only James Gunn could get away with the thing where they're going like, who's going to join me in our continued, like they're going to their final battle and everyone's saying like, me, me, me. And Vigilante goes, hashtag me too. (laughs) (laughs) Like only James Gunn, I think right in this, in this day and age could get away with doing that. Uh, I I really did like this episode Um, and and no time to, there's no bad time to rock. No wrong time to rock becomes like a, a rallying cry because they're Mm -hmm. like, they keep playing rock music whenever they're in the car. Uh, And then he's like, there's never no, there's never a bad time to rock. And Mm -hmm. then finally, like they're literally escaping like a bunch of gunfire. And he's like, he's like, looking away from the gunfire and driving to turn the radio up. Mm-hmm. And he goes, what are you doing? He goes, you said there's never a bad time to rock. He goes, this is the bad time. Well, I just want to point out. So um, I was talking to one of our fans. His name is Tim. And he was like, if you think Tim about Poole? it. No, no, not Tim Pool. <laughs> but that would be cool. I was talking to Tim Pool about music. But, um, and I would fangirl over it, over it, even though he's my boss, but whatever. Um, <clears throat> but we we're talking about like how music can like basically sway your emotions and he's like rock even though they talk about the most depressing thing ever like um basically like self-harm and suicide it still has like this weird emotion where it motivates you oh yeah so that's why like i feel like i kind of relate to it because like um rock even though like you think it's the wrong time to do it but it motivates you somehow 
uh, music this music done mm-hmm. right in television yeah. movies absolutely can be like to me like uh, a perfectly done trailer is one of maybe the most beautiful things in the entire mm-hmm. world a lot of them now have become so formulaic but still like, <laughs> that just that proves the power of how it's put together yeah that you can watch a trailer most of the, there's like I've literally said I've showed you that video about like how mm-hmm. every it's how every major blockbuster movie trailer is made mm-hmm. and it says low blah blah and Aww. it literally just describes yeah. it says intro title and it literally just does the entire trailer mm-hmm. without any actual movie being made hmm. it says like evocative statement at the beginning and it says it's like you know that thing that's supposed to happen well it's happening uh, it's not about anything in particular but I'm saying yeah. like, but uh, the music is a huge part of mm-hmm. that right music like basically can motivate people like certain emotions the the trailer for death on the nile to the there's a it's like a a studio done version of Depeche Mode's Policy <laughs> of Truth was yeah. what mo- made me want to go see the movie more than the movie itself. Mm. Um, so it proves to you the power of what that does for it. But uh, th- so I'm glad they got the storyline over with now because I, yeah. I did think that the dad storyline was for the most part unnecessary. Mm. Like they could have even saved it for season two. Mm. Like they did it because it helps the character of Peacemaker, it humanizes him to watch him struggle with his dad's sins mm-hmm. uh, and try to be better than him while still being kind of a douche. Like, it, it makes him dynamic, mm-hmm. but I almost I felt like it, there wasn't enough attention given to it that when he finally does take his dad out, there wasn't enough emotional resonance there because I don't think enough time was given to that storyline to really make it feel like what they wanted it. What they didn't, mm-hmm. you didn't get the uh, emotion out of it that they were looking to get because it just wasn't there in the. <coughs> it wasn't featured enough throughout. Hmm. So, uh, but it, because it wasn't my favorite storyline, I don't really care as mm-hmm. much. But uh, Cena absolutely owns this role. Like the yeah. the the face he makes after he shoots his dad is just tragic. Mm-hmm. Like he is absolutely. Uh, I don't know if he's just uh, if he's actually a fantastic actor or if he was just designed for this role. But he does both the douchebag part and the extremely emotional, vulnerable part very well in a way that very few less see, like actors with as least little experience as him would be able to do. Uh, because acting and wrestling is as much emotion as they do actually have to convey in wrestling. It's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. So uh, finale next week, and then we'll yep. we'll be done with it. I'm I'm excited to see if it gets a season two. I now can no longer unsee that. Was it you that told me? Somebody told me that the lady who plays Harcourt, uh, Jennifer Holland, mm-hmm. that's James Gunn's girlfriend, and now I can never unhear that. Oh, Every time I see her, I'm just like Tim told you that. Tim told me that. I'm like mm-hmm. nepotism. Every time I see her, I'm like that. Literally, it's the biggest trope ever. The hot blonde woman got the role because she's dating the director. Well, it's also but she's good. She works hard for that role. <laughs> she, she's good though. Like, that's yeah. like she's not the most convincing person in the action scenes, but anytime she has to get emotional, mm-hmm. she's she does a great job. It's just it doesn't feel like her genre hmm. as much. Yeah, it's also like how Gwyneth Paltrow got her part as Pepper Potts. Goop. Goop. Is she the goop lady or is that yeah, the, she's yeah. the, goop she's the goop lady? Goop. Okay. So uh, <coughs> I do recommend if you guys have been following along and you're watching it, I do think it's worth continuing on and finishing up next week. There's only one episode left. There's no reason not to watch that. Yep. There was also the weird part where they're like, when they're gearing everyone up, the nurse, the nurses all randomly stand up and like, well, we want to go fight. And they have machine guns for some I reason. I know. Like one And then nurse. it's never addressed again. It's, it's like weird. a joke. Then no, they no. T- they did they address it. Up. They said, no, you're not going. You're going to all die. <laughs> No, but they tie them up. They don't. They, yeah. They, but I'm saying, but like, where did they get them? They, did they just find they're one just of their machine the guns? Yes. One does. Yeah. Cool. Like, you don't know when there's a killer animal around. That could that could be it. That could be it. So It's like an emergency gun that they just press a button and it appears under the desk. Yes. 
Uh, okay. Uh, we are down to Podluck. Nice. We are we are we are going to talk Podluck first. I want to talk about. Um, Kanye West girlfriend Julia Fox admits Kim Kardashian comparisons are unfortunate and a ploy to cause controversy. Women are just always being pitted against each other. I heard she deleted all the pictures of her and Kanye off her Instagram. Mm -hmm. People thought they broke up. Uh, Julia Fox? Yeah. Okay, it says, Julia Fox admitted being compared to her boyfriend's estranged wife, Kim Kardashian, is unfortunate. During an interview with her Call Her Daddy, with, uh, on the Call Her Daddy podcast this week, the 32-year-old Uncut Gem star noted that there were a few similarities in their clothing choices, thanks to her beau Kanye West, but only had praise for the keeping up with the Kardashian star. So she's like trying to keep it neutral here. Mm-hmm. I do think it's weird because I don't see a lot of resemblance between them. Uh, fashion-wise, I do, but... Kim also, is also Kim just is like a fashion trendy. Yeah. So she could that could just be a coincidence, right? Yeah. So it says uh, Julia, who shares her one-year-old son with ex Peter Artemiev, Artemiev, uh, also said there was no competition between her and Kim, and she doesn't want to be responsible for putting a wedge between her boyfriend and his family. Like she's in like the hardest position ever here because Kanye clearly is like still pining for. Kim. Kim, yeah, yeah, <laughs> in like the most obvious, like he's not trying hard to to be subtle about it. Mm-hmm. Obviously, there's ten years of history that they have prior, and I don't want to ever step out of line and speak on something that I have no place speaking on. She said, "Fox has certainly taken a cue from Kanye's style. From Kanye's styling has been seen in ensembles strikingly similar to Kim's. Like you said, Kim just wears a lot of very fashionable clothing. Yeah, I mean, Kim and Kanye are both like integral to trends in fashion right now. Like, yes, that's." I guess noticeable but also it'd be like did you know that did you notice that Kylie is wearing stuff that's similar to Kim like yeah, yeah they all wear the same style yeah it's they're like, secretly all clones well this to me just tells me that they're both going to a Matrix cosplay <laughs> yeah or like they're both just shopping at you know trendy stores and wearing trendy style like <laughs> look at that mm-hmm. it's a, I'm sorry that's a ridiculous outfit yeah that's a pass for me uh, it's, a, it's a hard pass for me <laughs> if anything I feel like uh, that there's kind of what that uh, it says if anything I feel like that's kind of what the what that shows but obviously people want to run with nastier narrative and make people feel bad they're talking about the part up here where she says um uh, if anything, I feel like the conversation should be, wow, it's amazing to see how heavily influenced Kim was by Kanye, she said. So she says, like, so she was. And Which Kim, was, Kim has talked about in the past, too. What's funny about this is, is like, uh, this is always described as like a, as, as like a bad thing in feminist mm-hmm. media, where like, uh, men, like women feel influenced by, like, they start to change how they look, how they dress, because the man subtly hints to them that they should look different, wear your hair differently, dye your hair differently, dress differently. Yeah. Uh, and that's a bad thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, look, basically, I think if you find something, like, you shouldn't dress for men. You mm-hmm. should dress however you want to dress. For yourself. You dress yourself, your style, whatever. But if you meet someone and they're important mm-hmm. to you and you have, like, especially if they're, like, your husband or your long-term, like, yeah, I think it's, there's no shame in valuing mm-hmm. their opinion. Like, nope. Also, you're kind of old if you're still wearing hot pants. Yeah. Like, because, like, some of them, it's, like, kind of big yeah, critiques like, because like you're now a wife now also, you have like, kids look let's be mm-hmm. real some things that women are like that's a great outfit like yeah it is reasonable for like there are men who be like why are you wearing that yeah exactly have you ever seen the meme that says it's like no man ever looked at a woman and said she'd be hotter if her eyelashes were longer yeah like yeah. <laughs> like you guys don't understand we do this to each other and mm-hmm. for ourselves none for you yeah. but and also like i don't know like one of the things i've read a couple times is that Kanye's influence and he is really interested in design and fashion um, brought Kim Kardashian into the fashion realm in a way that she wasn't before she was you know people were interested in her and she was stylish but 
his influence really made her sort of someone a taste a tastemaker so blossom to speak. in a way yeah, yeah. she like found herself there was there. defined style as opposed to responding you know wearing tr- stuff yeah. that was sort of trendy she yeah. found herself there mm-hmm. and yeah. i think and she's a trendsetter too because yeah. like certain things ow and i, I like smacked myself. well i was gonna say like i think sorry no, no you're good uh, i think that in some ways like that is a sign of a good partnership mm-hmm. right you want yeah. someone who helps you grow within your own identity not because they make you but because mm-hmm. they encourage the best yes. parts of you yep um, you know, I have a lot, you know, for Julia Fox, like she is actually in a very similar <coughs> position where she has a child with someone else. So mm-hmm. like, I'm sure it's easy for her to imagine, like, how would I want my son's father's girlfriend to yeah. be? And it'd be like, I don't want her involved in this at all. Yeah. Um, but I think the comparison that they like look the same is like kind of generic and mm-hmm. it's like the media is looking for a fight. Well, one of the outfits is kind of unfortunate because Kim did dress a little bit better, but whatever. Um, I think Kim is. Uh, this is my personal opinion. Mm-hmm. I, I still uh, are they in the same age? Are they? Are, are they? I can search. Is it Julia up. Fox? I'm assuming Julia Fox is a little bit younger. Than Maybe Kim. I have no idea. Uh, I think they're probably similar ages. I, I think Kim is. I mean, Kim's the, like what forty and like. Yeah, the, I think I think like Julia Fox uh, doesn't pull off Kim's look as well as Kim pulls off her look. I'm guessing like if I found old pictures of Julia Fox before her style changed, she probably fits that style better and it accentuates what's you know her and i'm not trying to be sexist or in any way rude i'm just saying like you have a certain look everybody finds a style that you've that feels works for them yeah i mean it's the hard and confidence grows from actually that. julia fox is younger than kim kardashian well, yeah, by, how by how much, much? Um, she's 32 kim is yeah. 41 okay so yeah so they're like nine decade. years apart yeah. Yeah. yeah um i think part of it is like oh, not <coughs> all trends are meant for all body types exactly. and styles yeah. and yep. that's like just the reality mm-hmm. of it you have to try and develop your style outside of that exactly when i see this picture up here that her skin tone and pardon me as somebody who's not a fashion uh, fashion she's a, that that outfit the all black fits her skin tone better than it fits her well, skin that's tone. that's a bad that's an unflat picture. that's a horrible like, picture but even that one like it's well like, no offense like a lot of photos that they take of julia fox is really bad angles you think they're like but it's like there she looks really good because it's like a professionally done photo yeah, yeah. uh but it's like i i that's you know personal preference and all no but even the, the ones that like the where they're at a movie premiere or like a gala, mm. it's all bad angles yeah. for Julia Fox. I'm Kim's like, paying the media to like get. <laughs> well, I think the yeah. media wants. Media doesn't love Kanye. Like they love mm-hmm. him, but also they 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 would be happy if they he love fell the apart. Money. They right? love the money he brings them. Right, they'd be happy if something bad happened to him. I think, and with Kim, they want to keep her because again she has a cultural significance for it's like easy money you report about kim kardashian you can print it mm-hmm. um i th- think it's interesting that um julia fox is speaking out at, at all i mean i guess she must really feel the pressure to respond yeah she must which, anyways but it says right here it says julia fox on kanye no worries about him pining for kim he's with me now Oof. This is from the ninth. Um, it's from yesterday. It's I mean, that makes sense, yeah. though, right? Although, okay, I'm just gonna say it. Like, <laughs> I would love for Kim and Kanye to get back together. Know, I'm not right? crazy about either one, but there's something about it. I'm like, can't you guys just work it out? I, work I it just out, want man. their kids to have a normal. Yeah. Also, like, I feel life. like it would be like a cool story for both of them. Mm-hmm. Maybe it's not even Kanye in that mask. Maybe it's somebody. Maybe it's like a stand. How do we know that's even him? Mm-hmm. Says Julia maybe Fox, it's a clone. <laughs> Julia Fox sounds pretty damn confident about her relationship with Kanye West because she's say, at least saying that she isn't concerned about him trying to get back with Kim Kardashian. Julia was on the Call Her Daddy podcast and opened up about the past run-ins with the law, sexual fantasies, and of course, yay. Uh, uh, yes. What? Um, it says, How I'm sure... Uh, also, I don't think it's yay, I think it's yee. 
I I always say yay. It's oh uh, Kanye. No, it's yay. It's pronounced yay. We had a debate with um, Dane, and I was proven wrong. We thought it was ye because of Yeezy, mm-hmm. but it's yay <clears throat> because it's the Y E at the end of Kanye. Yeah, he likes to. I feel like he refers to himself. Anyway, I, yeah, I he actually likes trolling people. I have to tell you, I could not care less. When asked if, if they have labels, Fox replied, I call him my boyfriend and he calls me his girlfriend. She even had a response for those that doubt their relationship. Time will tell. You'll just see. Julia was also asked about her... Pre- okay, we don't need to watch the rest of that. That was the weird stuff about her porn preferences. I don't care mm-hmm. about that. I just think it's like... I feel like she's like caught in this weird middle ground because she's not the same level of celebrity as they are. And she kind of gets pushed to the side as like the focus... Like they're the focus and she's the kind of... I mean, I did not know who the, this person was. I'm I. still not really clear where she came from. But like... Like, that's why I kind of said it was interesting that she's like, I'm just going to stay out of it, which I believe. But also, I am going to give you interviews and try and talk about other things because this is a moment that my mm-hmm. brand is gaining. We momentum. talked about that. Like, it's like, she's like, I'm not doing it for clout. I'm like, you yeah, talked right, about it. Why are you bringing it up today? A little bit of clout in some way. So I have one more story I want to talk about for my new favorite segment, which is who the hell asked for this? Mm-hmm. Who the hell <laughs> asked for a live action Gumby movie? I'm serious. I want to know what studio executive was in there in their big studio. They've got their lines of cocaine. They're all doing their drugs. They're talking about all the money they're making on the stock market and crypto. And they're like, what what project should we approve? And the Fox executive is like, you know what? Gumby. Yeah. I feel like this is similar to Snoop Dogg buying Death Row Records. It's like, you know what I really liked as a kid? Gumby. And now that I'm in a position of power, it's mine. I hope that's what it is. Like, I would love it. They go to the, like, they go to the office of the guy in head of acquisitions and it's just Gumby merch, top He's to like, bottom. He's like, look, it was my favorite thing and like I want it back and I don't care what the rest of you want. I don't mm-hmm. care if it costs my stock the stockholders and the and the stakeholders, everything. We're yeah. getting Gumby. A so live, a, what's a live action Gumby like? That's, you I see don't the know. Thing, like that picture there? I hope it's better than that. Uh, it says that's Di- like classic Gumby. Like part of Gumby is like the style, right? Yeah. So it says Disney may have uh, bought up 20th Century Fox and all the various intellectual properties that came with it, specifically the X-Men and the Simpsons, but the surviving Fox Entertainment Company isn't just going to sit back and not acquire some intellectual properties of its own to fill the hole. Mm-hmm. Uh, to fill that hole. I think they mean... Uh, H-O-L-E. To that end, Fox has just picked up the rights to one of the biggest pop culture icons in the world, sort of, maybe. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say right here. Marvel and Star (laughs) Wars, as much as we may rag on Star Wars, are not considered the same league as Gumby. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was going to say, I'm not a Star Wars fan, but I'm not not a detractor. Like, I just didn't really get into it. Exactly. But, like, I I totally recognize it has cultural relevance. I do think Gumby is, like, it's... I think this purchase might be strategic because there was a whole generation that did grow up on Gumby and did really like it was well known and it was international. And so buying Gumby now might be enough to revive it, especially since those Gen Zers are so into like the early 2000s and the 90s. Then I have a question. Do you guys know what the hell Gumby is about? Isn't it like cartoon guy who walks around? Make it raunchy comedy. Make it an adult comedy where where Gumby is just a weird uh, where it's like a weird adult comedy. That's the only way this works. No, I don't really like animated I never adult got comedy. into Gumpy, but basically it's just claymation and like he does yeah. whatever. He's like the Newt Newt uh, little penguin that's the meme where it's like Newt Newt then Snoot. 
So I get, I get yeah, I'm it's saying, just dumb. Then just make it animated for the kids. If, if yeah, like, I, well, and I, or or really invest in claymation, which would be cool. Like, okay, can you imagine if you had an elaborate claymation, mm-hmm. like several episodes. Series? I'm down. Like, well, I'd be super I'm down. down. They try to make an adult claymation, but no, we shall not. Pass. The we show sh- that we know we, we shall not talk. We yeah. shall never talk about because it legit gave me an aneurysm. Okay, I guess it's kind of interesting. Like we're talking about it. Like there mm-hmm. are a lot of ways to take this. Like maybe we didn't ask for it, but maybe we need it. No, See, we. Oh, don't. I, I have a huge problem with with creatives who are like, we're going to give you the thing that you didn't know you need. No, make the thing that people want. But what if mm-hmm. this is the thing that they're like? I don't care if people want it. I feel passionately about it. And it's going to come uh, out good. Mm-hmm. Like I think there is a space for something that it isn't like we'll just <coughs> give them exactly what they want or like what we think they should have. It's just like I have a passion. Like this is what I want to pursue. So it's uh, it, that that goes to like the subverting expectations thing, where these people think like they're gods, and they're like, "I'm going to make something so good, you're not even going to realize you wanted it until I made it." I don't think it has to be. I disagree. I don't think it has to be like a god complex. I think it could be like. I think I could turn this into something cool and I think people will enjoy it when they see it. Like, mm-hmm. I don't think you have to be like holier than thou to not want to have to make exactly what everyone else is producing. I'm referring to different groups, uh, more in the comics realm where the people are a lot less, uh, the, the, there's a whole, that's a whole other topic for, so. for, for another day. So it says, uh, we're talking about Gumby who's always had some of a surprising, le- somewhat of a surprising level of cultural relevance, possibly thanks to Eddie Murphy's parody on Saturday Night Live in the 80s. And now Fox is hoping to make the cultural relevance less surprising and more inescapable. That's because after acquiring the rights to Gumby from the estate of Joseph Clokey. Uh, Clocky, the son of the original creator, Art Clocky, uh, Fox has announced it's planning a whole suite of Gumby-related projects ranging from the obvious to the confusing to the dumb and exploitative. I'm telling you, man. Live-action creepy Gumby. Just mm-hmm. make him like a... Ooh. Remember like the video of the creep from Lonely Island? Mm-hmm. Do that, but with Gumby. Oh, my Ooh, goodness. Weird. And like you have a female Gumby. No, you make the donkey into um, basically... A female and it's like super creepy. Help me, Step Gumby. Oh no! Uh, <laughs> oh no! First, the obvious uh, press release announcing the acquisition specifically mentions a new animated series, which seems like the most straightforward thing to do with Gumby. I think that makes perfect sense. He's a little claymation guy. He should be mm-hmm. animated in some way. We don't know much more beyond that, but the press relief re- release repeatedly mentioned Bento Box, the Fox-owned studio that co-produces Bob's Burgers and The Great North, among many other things. Mm-hmm. And then it says, next confusing, the, uh, the press release also mentions live action original content. What does that mean? Who knows? Maybe some kind of modern reboot of the Eddie Murphy Gumby? Okay, I could be down for that. Bring Eddie Murphy Saturday Night Live. Yes, do that. Uh, a show where Gumby is made of clay, but he lives in a world of live action people. The latter seems right up Fox's alley. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Uh, and then finally, the dumb and exploitative. Fox is planning to do some kind of Gumby NFT thing. <laughs> <laughs> Explo- exploitative I don't know you that's your it's your money it's your responsibility to hold on to your own money if you want to buy a dumb and uh, Gumby NFT go with God my friend mm-hmm. uh, Fox is planning <coughs> to do some kind of Gumby NFT thing which seems more like an attempt to cash in on a very popular scam than a play on blockchain blockheads uh, which is what it should be if NFTs weren't so stupid it would be fun to make jokes about the blockheads being on the blockchain but no not even the aforementioned press relief release makes that leap maybe because the blockheads are bad guys and it's kind of important that the blockchain that people don't realize it's bad okay that's them editorializing about blockchain mm-hmm. uh, yeah. which when I, when I get my Info on tech issues. What I the first thing I do is go to like pop culture news sites. That's that's where I go through for my tech info. Do they say I might have missed it? How much uh, they 
paid to purchase I, the rights of this? It, it doesn't say up here. I, I wish it, it, it gave us a miracle. Can you look it up? What? How much did uh, Fox pay for the rights for Gumby? I'm going to look. I'd be curious. How much did... Just because, like, you know, we, we mentioned Bill Watterson earlier and, like, uh, some of these uh, iconic cartoons, especially claymation, that take a lot of work or individual creativity, like... I don't know what what would be the price point for that. That's uh, a very good question, and they always have these bloated numbers mm-hmm. uh, because of how these acquisitions work with do, these do, with these do, investment do. firms. How much does I, it cost? Sir? It doesn't say. I don't. I, it would they be may cool not have know. released it. It'd just be, mm-hmm. I'd just be curious. Maybe we come back and do a follow up, uh, a Gumby follow up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I think it could be good. So you you, you think they could? You see, you have a little bit more faith in Gumby than me. Um. Yeah, I'm not like as angry about it maybe as you are. I'm not angry. There I just think it's hilarious. That, yeah, there are things that I would not <coughs> want them to do with this. Um. But generally, like I, I we've talked about it before. I'm so tired of like recycling old content that I have slight optimism that like if they're going to keep doing this this might be a cool thing that has a lot of opportunities to have interesting artistic take Mm -hmm. but again my preference is normally that they create something new rather than just recycling something old so I'm I don't I'm kind of neutral on this Mm -hmm. there's pros and cons uh, but I I don't think that you're right no one really asked for this then by god I want a Spice Girls 2 uh, a Spice World Two of the Spice Girls. No, movie. they're. I want. See, can we just do new things? Like, if can I we if use you, if our they brains get, and produce new things. If yeah, they get I Gumby, want Spice I want, Boys. If, if they get Gumby, no, that's just recycling something that's old. That's like the female Robin Hood. Sorry, keep going. If they get Gumby, <laughs> I get Spice World Two. But maybe no one gets any of this, and this. we just try new things. Well, hear me out. Spice Boys, but they're called Spicy Boys, and they're just a bunch of packets of hot sauce. It's all animated. Exactly. That's how you get them. What if you start? This is I'm going to trade my idea. What if you started a YouTube channel called Spicy Boys and you just try spicy foods or spicy hot sauce? I Wait, feel like that already or spicy exists. Chips. It already exists. It's called Hot Ones. No, but I like Spicy Boys better. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> there we go. There we go. Uh, that was uh, that. We we can go. We're going to go lock down that that, that trademark right now and start spicy that YouTube boys. channel. Spicy Boys. Yes. Wait, can you hold your spice bread? What? I'm just asking. Like, do you oh, like spicy I'm, I'm not a huge spy. I, I don't like... Brett already lost round one. Yeah, No, I don't think I would lose But that'd be funny. Either, then it's, he's like the Miles when they're like, yeah. here's buffalo sauce. Yeah. And Brett's yeah. like, too much for me. No. God. I think this would be fun. Maybe. Mm-hmm. We should do that as a challenge. We should pitch this idea to Nick and see what happens. I actually bought, you know, those, um, um, that noodle where it's the other company. It has the chicken. It's called Pudak. And it's like Korean noodles that's extremely spicy. I bought their hot sauce. I think I bought that one too. Mm-hmm. I bought, like it comes in black packaging. It looks like ramen, but it yeah. is incredibly hot. Anyways. Yeah. Well, that one's a different one, but the the one that I think tastes better is like the Pruduck one where it has a cute little chicken mascot. It's not that spicy, but some people consider it spicy, but the black pack one, super good. Okay. When you want to burn somebody's uh, oh my gosh. It internals. Was it was intense. Oh, really? That's spicy to you? I don't. I don't know if we're talking about. Wow, the same that was thing. some shade. That she <laughs> Sorry. Threw at you. No, I mean I'll show it to you. I don't yeah. know if we're talking about the same thing. I just was like, oh, this seems spicy. I'll try it. Anyways, thanks for having me, yeah, guys. This has sure. been fun. Why don't you share with everyone your social media so they know where to find you? Yeah, you can follow me on at Instagram. Sorry, <coughs> you can follow me on Instagram at 
hannahclare.b. You can follow me on Gab at hannahclareb. And you can also check out my work on timcast.com. You just click on the read tab. Yay. Thank, thank you so much for coming. Thank today. you guys so much for having me. This it has is, been a ball. It mm-hmm. is always so much fun. Miracle, share with everyone your social media. I now have social media because it rots your brain. And I'm slowly blending into my background. You are. The shirt is making you, you're, you're kind of, it's like it's like a sticker camouflage. Exactly. Uh, guys, you can follow me on Instagram at Brett Dasvik. Hit me up there. We can talk pop culture. Mm-hmm. We can talk news. You can yell at me about Kanye. You can yell at, you can tell me if it's yee or yay. I still think it's yay because I, t- I trust Dane as the arbiter well, of Kanye knowledge. Well, I search knowledge. it up too. Um, so uh, follow me on there. And then for the podcast, please go to YouTube, subscribe to the Pop Culture Crisis YouTube channel, like the videos, leave comments on the videos, all that good stuff. And once you've done that, please click on the description link to any of them and it will take you to the Spotify playlist, which has the full unabridged version of each episode. We're not just on Spotify. We're also on Amazon Music, on Apple Podcasts, and on Pandora. And if you want to follow us on social media, like I mentioned Dane earlier, you will make us very happy. You'll make him very happy if you follow us there on Twitter at popculture underscore show. We are also on Facebook and on TikTok. That's where he really wants you to go. And that is at popculturecrisis. And we will be back with another episode on Monday. See you then, guys. Bye. Bye.